Happy Tuesday. This is Keith, man in the station here at News Source 1 Michiana for the afternoon podcast that you're listening to, Michiana Speak Out. Hey, we're counting down the hours till the State of the State address. We'll be talking a little bit about that and, and doing some more follow-up on my podcast commentary I did yesterday. Let's go ahead and get on to the news first. It's Tuesday, January 11th, 2021. News Nation this hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has testified that it could take more than three or even four interest rate hikes this year to get inflation back to the target level. To get the kind of uh, very strong labor market we want with high participation, it's going to take a long expansion. We can see that participation is moving only very slowly. And to get a long expansion, we're going to need price stability. Powell's testifying before the Senate as part of his nomination to a second four-year term as chairman of the Federal Reserve. The Red Cross has declared its first ever national blood crisis in the U.S says it now has less than a one-day supply of critical blood types and that it will have consequences, including doctors being forced to make what it calls difficult decisions. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky has told lawmakers even though hospitalization rates among Americans infected with the Omicron variant still appear lower than previous variants, more people are being admitted. Despite a potential decrease in severity, the substantial number of absolute cases is resulting in hospitalization increases across all all age groups, including children aged 0 to 4. Testifying this morning before a Senate committee, the U.S. saw more than 1.3 million new cases on Monday alone. The World Health Organization's regional director for Europe, Hans Klu, reports death rates are stabilizing there with Omicron, says it's now racing, though, across all of Europe. The region saw over 7 million newly reported cases of COVID-19 in the first week of 2022, more than doubling over a two-week period. From this morning's news conference in Copenhagen, the Kremlin's not optimistic after Monday's start of talks in Geneva between U.S. and Russian officials over tensions in Ukraine. Moscow went in insisting on guarantees to halt NATO's eastward expansion and even roll back the military alliance's deployments in Eastern Europe. Speaking with reporters, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said, so far, let's say, we see no significant reason for optimism. Optimism. Further Russia-U.S. meetings are set for later this week. I'm Charles Tiladesma. The second largest U.S. bank will slash its overdraft fee and altogether eliminate its fee on bounced checks. Bank of America says starting in May, overdraft fees will go from $35 to $10. It's the latest move by the nation's biggest banks to roll back the overdraft fees that often amount to hundreds of dollars a year for frequent overdraft users. Other banks like Capital One have already dropped overdraft fees entirely. I'm Shelley Adler. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. The political future of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is once again being questioned after revelations that one of his top officials invited more than 100 Downing Street staff to a garden party last summer that may have breached UK lockdown regulations. The Prime Minister today failed to appear in the House of Commons to answer an urgent parliamentary question about the burgeoning scandal. He left the task instead to a lower-level government colleague. In FS 
MSN's London bureau, Ollie Barrett, says polls show 66% of voters want the Prime Minister to resign. The conversations within the Conservative Party about his leadership are intensifying and you are finding more Conservative MPs happy to talk out loud about whether a leadership challenge might be coming down the tracks. There is real anger about how Downing Street has been handling uh, these issues, but also real anger about the allegations themselves. The World Bank is predicting a renewed global economic slowdown due to the continuing pandemic. The bank has downgraded its growth forecast for 2022 to 4.1% due to the virus, global consumer uncertainty and a reduction in financial support being offered to businesses by governments worldwide. From FSN's Washington Bureau, Kate Fisher has more. Yeah, this is pretty depressing reading with the warning that these estimates could be knocked even lower if the Omicron variant persists. The report uh, said there would be a downgrade in all uh, advancing economies. President Biden is travelling to Georgia today where he will urge the US Senate to pass legislation aimed at protecting voting rights in the US. He'll propose special procedures that would allow the legislation to evade the need to secure 60 votes in the Senate chamber. Several civil rights leaders are staying away from his speech to express their anger that he hasn't addressed the issue earlier in his presidency. A third Chinese city has gone into full lockdown, impacting more than 5 million people. The city of Anyang reported just two cases of COVID-19. From FSN's bureau in Beijing, Patrick Fock reports. Authorities have banned all vehicles from roads. Companies have had to suspend business operations and ticket sales for travel to the capital Beijing have been halted as well, following the emergence of just two Omicron cases. It's not clear just how long this lockdown might last. Authorities have simply said that it will continue until they've eliminated the risk. But the people of Anyang have surely got to be looking at what's been happening in Xi'an. That's the city of 13 million people in Shanxi province that's been under lockdown since December 23rd. And they may well be wondering whether they could face a similar sort of ordeal. Uh, there are now a total of around 20 million people in China under lockdown. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking today at the situation at the U.S. detention center in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Despite campaigning on a pledge to shut it down, President Biden so far has not only failed to advance that goal, but late last year we learned it's even being expanded. The New York Times reporting that a second courtroom is under construction at a cost to the U.S. taxpayer of $4 million. The plan to be able to hold two war crimes trials simultaneously there starting next year. Mansour Adafi is a former Guantanamo detainee. He spent 15 years there before being cleared to leave and he never faced any criminal charges. Trump, at least, he kept his promise. He said he won't close it. And Biden, you know, last year they said they will close the detention. But so far, we haven't seen any tangible steps for the closure of uh, Guantanamo. There's almost like 15 detainees have been cleared to release. Some of them have been cleared since 2009 and 10, and they're still there. They keep repeating the same excuse that the Congress put some kind of restriction for transferred prisoners to the uh, United States. 15 detainees mm. at least have been cleared and waiting for the lease, and they still haven't been, uh, haven't been released yet. 39 detainees remain at Guantanamo, and only one prisoner has been transferred out of the facility since President Biden's inauguration. A Moroccan man recommended for release in 2016, who also faced no charges. 
The main news again, Boris Johnson's political future is once again in doubt after revelations that one of his top officials invited more than 100 Downing Street staff to a garden party that may have breached UK lockdown regulations. The World Bank is predicting a renewed economic global slowdown because of the pandemic and President Biden in Georgia is urging the US Senate to pass legislation aimed at protecting voting rights in the US. And that is the latest feature story news. Simon Marks reporting. Hi, welcome back. Keith here with Mission Speak Out for the 11th. 111 today. Imagine that. Well, beautiful afternoon. Still a bit chilly, but the temperatures are supposed to moderate. Won't see any snow until a little bit later on this week. But nothing like what they had for the cold weather in Boston. I heard wind chill was down to negative 40. Good grief. Negative 4-0 wind chill in Boston, Massachusetts. This morning closing the schools. I remember when we hit even lower than that here. Even colder than the North Pole back in the end of January of 2000. 19, about a year before COVID-19 hit. Um, I remember being off of work for a couple of days uh, for that. Well, yesterday I put out a passionate discussion about the education bill and Senate bill number 167, I believe it was. And uh, these bill, one of the bills, or both of them, I think one of them is sponsored by Linda Rogers. And asking all of you still to please let her know that you disapprove of that bill. Um, and this disagreement and comments has gone national, folks. Even went to uh, the late show on CBS uh, for, for a comment. So, words traveling, folks. People are fed up with this garbage that's being proposed please uh, sign the ISTA India State Teachers Association petition or contact Linda Rogers um, join on board with Aaron Mishler in saying that this is uh, an, a bill that should not be approved that teachers need to be able to do their jobs much easier than the bill proposes and uh History does not need to be forgotten. That is for sure. I know we have our disagreements, but you can't just take and throw out 13 to 15 years history because you don't want to offend people. Uh, you know, that's just, it's just insane. So if you didn't get a chance to hear my uh, passionate comments, please listen and share them out there. I appreciate that very much. Well, talking of Indiana State business, tonight at 7 o'clock is the State of the State Address. They're saying on the other media that it is Governor Holcomb's sixth address to the state. And uh, a TV station in Indiana has filed a report. So let's get a chance to listen to the uh, their preview of it. 
happening today. Governor Holcomb will give his sixth State of the State address where he will outline the issues he and his administration hope to tackle this year. Our Eric Pointer joining us now live in the newsroom. So Eric, do we know how this speech will differ from last year? So for starters, this one will return to in-person at the House of Representatives chamber after being virtual last year. Also, in terms of COVID, which is expected to be a big topic, this time last year he was discussing the vaccine rollout, but this year the conversation is expected to be on mandates. I spoke to a political expert for a breakdown of his address, and she said based on his previous addresses, we can expect him to discuss education, economic development, and a lot about COVID. She says that this address gives the governor a chance to lay out his priorities for the legislative session and also talk about his accomplishments over the past year, like the budget surplus the state saw, which will result in Hoosiers getting credited in this year's tax return. But afterwards, the Democratic Party is expected to give their response. It's important because part of the state of the state address is to tout accomplishments. The governor is going to talk about what he's done in office, and Holcomb has had many accolades. But when you have this rebuttal, you can also say, yes, but this part isn't true, or instead we should be doing this. And at the same time, you're given the opportunity to have the microphone after the governor, after a Republican, to say, actually, this is our agenda. This is why we disagree. These are the points that we take contention with, and this is what we would be doing differently. She says that the challenge for the Democrats will be to have specific responses for specific parts of the address, which can be tricky because they won't know exactly what the governor will say until after he says it. The speech is expected to last about 30 to 45 minutes and it'll be streamed live right here and on our website. In the newsroom, Eric Pointer, Fox 59 News. And we have a link under our announcements on Facebook group for News Source 1 Michiana. Uh, so you get a chance to watch online the speech at 7 o'clock. Uh, from what I've been looking up, most of the state of the state addresses last between 30 and 40 minutes. So it's going to be short, sweet, to the point, but it will kick off the 2022 General Assembly uh, for both the House and Senate down in Indianapolis for their session. It's very similar to the Presidential State of the Union Address um, in which, unlike the President, but the Governor will propose what he wants to accomplish for the coming legislative session for the year. And I would like to hear your comments. We have a button a message button that I want you to click on. You can run the link in Chrome, which will seem to be the better way to uh, leave us a message. But we want to share what you think and thought if you got a chance to uh, view tonight's speech. Uh, looks like it may be quite important. And again, it is at 7 o'clock tonight, and I will be rebroadcasting that speech on our iRadio channel later on this evening and all day Wednesday. So uh, we definitely want to hear your comments, good, bad, or otherwise. All right. It's going to be a real short podcast for the rest of the show. Uh, we'll have more tomorrow on the Indiana State of the State Address from Indianapolis. But we need to talk about 
happy and whole in him. Yes, Pastor Joel's segments are back. And uh, he had a humdinger of one today. So let's get to it next here on Michigan Speak Out. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. Friends, do you realize that Satan has a plan for your life? What's his plan, Joel? To make us as miserable as himself and ultimately to kill us. This is why Peter says in 1 Peter 5.8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We hear from Peter that the devil, Satan, is like a lion. And a particular strategy of a lion is to isolate his prey with a plan on devouring them. And he's been like this from the beginning, even though he shows up as a serpent in Genesis 3. You see, his hatred of God makes us a particular target because we have been made in God's image. We've been granted a singular privilege. See Genesis 1, 26 and 27. The devil hates God, so he make, hates us because we're made in God's likeness. He wants nothing more than to destroy you and I, our family, our neighbors, our friends. I say this in the wake of a woman that I knew who committed suicide this week. I find few things more tragic than hearing that someone took their own life. And I fully know that such an incident is a complicated matter with many factors involved. Let me ask you. Who do you think encouraged her action as she made that decision all alone? I hope to make us increasingly aware of how the devil operates and his tactics have not changed since the Garden of Eden where he makes his first appearance. The devil said to the woman in Genesis 3.1, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And Satan answered her in verse 4, You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. After questioning God's word, did you hear the first statement ever spoken by the devil? It was a lie, a lie that told her she would not die contrary to what God had said. And friend, did you notice that the devil told the lie while the woman was isolated? Do you realize that you and everyone is in danger from the devil when we're isolated? The devil seeks to tempt us in situations when we're by ourselves. Friends, the woman should have consulted her husband. Better, she should have called out to God. What she shouldn't have done was continue in a conversation with a being that from the get-go was challenging God's word. When we go there and when we go it alone, when we don't call out to God, we're choosing to engage with temptation on the devil's turf, on his terms. You see, he wants us to be autonomous. He wants us to make decisions apart from the God who made us and the world we live in. He wants us to take up his plan for our life to go down that same path he did. After all, he did the same thing when he rebelled against God and fell from heaven. And we know misery loves company. And there's no end to this lion's appetite for company. I don't know if the devil said to this woman who took her life, did God really say? 
though she did know it was wrong, to destroy the gift of life God had given her. I suspect he said some deceiving words, maybe like this. This paint is proof that God doesn't care about your happiness. Or maybe, the pain is so bad, and God wouldn't want you to be in pain, would he? Maybe he added, don't you want to provide your family some relief? I mean, your condition has made you such a burden. It would be a kindness to them. You're not really of any value to anyone. And sadly, in her isolation, she believed, took the action, and the devil rejoiced. Friends, I have no reason to believe this woman desired to traumatize her family with her drastic action. Family and friends are in shock. They're full of questions, wondering why we didn't know it got so bad. I wish she had spoken to others about her thoughts so that they could have told her how much she meant to them, that her absence in the world was the opposite of a kindness to them. Much less do I think this woman was considering what this action meant in light of eternity. The fact is, friends, God does care about our happiness and our suffering, our pain. In fact, our God is the only God who entered into humanity's pain so that we might have happiness. Jesus on the cross is the only reason I can call out to God in my suffering and trust that he not only understands, but cared enough to die so that I might be able to live. Friends, I encourage you not to be isolated. You can reach out to me or reach out to another local pastor or Christian you know. And friends, I wanna encourage us all to be there for others. Let's not let folks be isolated. Let's be sober. Let's keep an ear and an eye out for warning signs. Let's not let the devil do the talking to those around us. He's prowling because he knows we are so unique, made next to God. My friends, remember who you are and who you belong to. Thanks you so very much for tuning in this afternoon to Mission Speak Out. I will be back tomorrow afternoon. And if you want some good music, jump on over to the podcast, The Hub at Backyard Louis, over at Michiana Music Radio Facebook group. Yes, Jim Summer, Summer has a, a wonderful performance that he did back in March of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, listen to it. Enjoy some timeless hits. Ta-ta for now. Enjoy the speech.